Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. And I got Chaz with me. We just started a convo that kind of blew me away. And I wanted to save everything for this live convo here. And at one point, Chaz was homeless, living in his car, one of 119 salespeople, commission only. And he was in the struggle. He was in the hustle. Chaz, let's get into this, man. What have you learned on your journey? Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Bam. So yeah, I sucked at sales. <laughs> so I was living in my car. I was living in Northern California. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. And I got my first B2B sales job. And I didn't let my family know anything about this because I was just living in shame. I couldn't tell people I was homeless. And so I lost a job and I went through all my savings. So I was looking back then, I was in the, in the paper. I saw this job and I got hired. It was 100% commission mm-hmm. selling marketing, advertising, and I had to walk into business. If I didn't walk out with a check that day, I was not going to get paid. And so, I mean, I literally was like stealing pig Newtons out of grocery stores at one point. By the way, I don't suggest that if you haven't eaten for a couple of days, that sugar high is not fun. <laughs> okay. So I was 119 out of 119 salespeople and Ken Upton, my boss at the time, soon to be mentor, had me over for dinner one night. I'm like, awesome. I don't think I'd eaten for two days at that point. He didn't know I was homeless. And so after dinner, his wife was doing some things. He kind of pulled me into his den. If you could kind of picture kind of like a fire in the fireplace, kind of like a master sitting to a student, seafood to a student. And so I was sitting there, he had a lamp on the desk and he said, Chaz, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? I'm like, what are you sick and tired of being sick and tired i know you're not making any sales do you want to make some money i'm like yes and so he said this and this changed my life he said you have to follow the system you have to follow the process because it's proven and it works quit doing things your way and i'm like okay and then this is the three words that changed my life you can be my entire life. It was always like, you're less than you'll never amount to anything. And so I was living with these lies inside my head because I didn't understand who God created me to be. And so I was living a lie out of alignment with who I was. And so when he said those words, you can be, it was almost like, Whoa, you can be. And then he said, he followed with, the number one salesperson in this company. Again, you got to follow the system. You got to follow the process. You can't do things your own way. And so I left that meeting and the next day I started doing things their way. I started following that there's a the script I had to go over word for word for word. And I did it. I got an appointment. I failed. I just started executing, executing, and I was failing and failing. And I was leaving those failures after I would own those failures and ask myself question, crap, I'm going to make this work. He says, I can be the number one salesperson. I was 119th. I go, I can't be. So I kept doing it. 
Then finally, I think it was the end of week one, I got my first sale. Then in 30 days, I didn't become the number one salesperson, but I went from 119th to number three. And I moved out of a place with automatic windows, which was very nice. And I was able to eat on a regular basis. So those words, you can be and the number one salesperson. Yeah, that's great, but you can be. So that was something that changed my life. And I've taken that message from Ken. I've tried to look him up now just to tell him how he's changed my life with those three words. Uh, I, I can't find him. He may have passed away now, uh, but that's how powerful words are in people on the negative side or the positive side. And so that was the foundation of where my sales career started. Wow, man, that's uh, that's a hell of a journey. You know, that that struggle is uh, is inspiring, man, and how you overcame that. And I think that what you know, what my takeaways are are here in the story is that you you had a talk about having a need to be successful. I mean, talking about a basic survival need that you had to, to move into a different situation in your life. And, uh, you know, I, I think we, a lot of us find ourselves, um, trying to tap into our needs, but unfortunately a lot of us, I feel like are not tapping into the right needs of why we want to be successful. You know, we're tapping into, I want to serve my ego. I want to look a certain way. I want to, be a certain way. I want to be perceived in a certain way, as opposed to going to the root of, of why we want to be whatever it is that we want to be. You know, what would you say now after so many years is your, is your driving factor? So are you trying to say I'm ancient? Uh, no, I'm, <laughs> trying to, I'm just messing with you. So I'm trying to say you've evolved okay. in a very <laughs> oppressive way. I did. So to go to your point, Ruben, I think you bring up a really good point. I was still all up, you know, show me the money, show me the money and be successful. You can be, I was still mixed up and jacked up in my head with, with where I was. And I was thinking if I just be successful and I just get to this certain level, I'll be happy. I don't think I was saying those words happy, but that was the mentality in my mind. And so year after year after year, I had this driving force. You know, because if you lack significant, you're told you're less than a lot of times you overcompensate with a certain area in your life. And so what I did is I just dove into sales and I became the best in, in every place I worked for. There was a couple of exceptions, but I was near the top or way over the top and you blew through a lot of the sales records for most of the companies I worked for. That being said, are you familiar with the DISC profile, the DISC? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm a D. I, but my I is higher than my D and for everyone listening, just, I could use some animals for you guys to understand. D would be like a lion, a dominant force. I would be like an otter, very playful, fun loving. Uh, uh, C is like a beaver, very detailed. If you look at beaver dams, how they put those things together. And then S is kind of like a golden retriever. So I'm a high I fun loving. I have a D I lived most of my sales career. Like, 2000 through 2012, 2011 or 13, 14 as a D, which was out of alignment with who I am because I'm a high I. Back then though, everyone had figured out that people thought high eyes, those were the people that you wanted in sales because they could talk really good, but they don't listen <laughs> most of the time, right? It's a skill set I've developed over the years. It doesn't come naturally to me. So going through the process and living as a high D, I finally realized that 
something is wrong. And after going through a divorce and looking at what the common denominator was, it was like me. And so I got some coaches. I really poured into personal development. I'm listening to impact theory and all these different people, you know, day after day, multiple times throughout the day, you know, podcasts like this, which is an awesome place for people to get information. Um, especially for people who aren't like Tony Robbins or Tom Bilyeu, because there's a lot of people that aren't them that have a lot of value to give. So I've learned through the process. And when I discovered that me, and I tell my clients this all the time, me being me will attract the right people into my life and the right clients into my life. And I tell my clients, you being you will attract the right people into your life and the right clients into your business. So don't try to be someone else. You got to be you. And it was an evolution. And I think Kazon, if you say it's uh, Hebrew, Chazon is spelled Chaz Own. I have nothing to do with the book, C-H-A-Z-O-W-N by Greg uh, Cashel, really helped me uncover kind of my why. And then Simon Sinek and all those other things. So all that stuff going through that crap in my life, trying to, you know, be significant to my dad who, you know, basically left me. It didn't leave me like at a fair or something. He just disappeared and I thought he had died. He was gone for like five years of my life. But a lot of times if we don't have a father role model in life, we try to prove ourselves to our dad because if someone leaves us, that must mean we internalize that as a kid and we take it into our adult life. life. Um, so I was trying to prove myself and significant with accomplishing stuff. It was finally when I got to the place and meeting with a bunch of different people, you know, therapy, coaches, books and whatnot, science of behavior, that I realized that it's okay to be me, a fun loving person. I still needed to develop. And when that happened, it was like releasing like a 500 pound boulder from my back. And I started to live like myself and I started to live with, I'm happy with where I am. So that doesn't mean that I don't want to get better. It just means I don't get my significant to getting to a next level. Because if you think that you're always going to get to the next level and it's never going to be what you want. So you keep going and going and going. And so long winded answer to your question. I just have developed over the years and just learned and I'm still learning. I just learned so much about what to do and what not to do and how to enjoy life regardless what's going on around me. Mm. So how much has, has struggle been a factor for you in your life to make you who you are? Oh man, I love that question. I just got, I just got goosebumps. Okay. I speak about failure all the time because I, I have failed more than anyone else probably uh, a lot let's say i failed a lot and so I, i'm not a, a person that has extraordinary gifts or, or or talents um you know we were talking about evan carmichael before the for the show and he says everyone has michael jordan talent at something and so when i got into kind of my zone with who i am and this is my why is helping people from the pain from my past helping people understand their potential like Ken did for me and then helping them realize it is what makes my day except for my grown kids and seeing them grow and, and, and mature and I'm sorry you said one point in that question and I forgot it I was kind of going on off on a rant what was that Ruben 
Well, it was, you know, how much struggle and how much strife yeah, is, is go the failure. you? So in the, in the failure, I just learned you have to embrace it. It's so easy to try something and get outside our comfort zone and then fail and then withdraw back in. Make an excuse. Nah, it's that person's problem. It's this person's problem. And that type of mindset keeps us stuck in mediocrity, right? It's a comfortable misery. <laughs> it's that mediocrity, a mediocrity. So what I learned to do is I learned to start embracing the failure, understanding that failure was a stepping stone, a step in the process to get to the next level. And I've probably heard this from Tony Robbins and a lot of other people, you know, you've got to own your failure, not make excuses, and then ask yourself the right questions. If you ask yourself questions like, after you fail, you know, oh, I suck or this, man, it, oh, why does this keep happening to me? I mean, your brain's going to answer that because you're an idiot. <laughs> but if you own the failure and start saying things like, what can I do to make sure this doesn't happen? How can I learn through this failure it, that failure becomes no longer an anchor that holds you down? It becomes a springboard that takes you to the, the next level. And so the struggle to your question, Ruben, is I really discovered my identity through my struggle because I embraced the struggle and I didn't, I stopped resisting it. I used to always want to get to a place where I got to one level and I was just happy and I could just sit back and, and do this. It's not life. We are created. I, I fully believe we are created to face struggles because it's through the struggles we become who we are created to be. <clears throat> That's beautifully stated. Isn't that interesting that so much of our lives and so much of our efforts is actually to avoid pain and to avoid struggle oh, yeah. and to avoid <laughs> failure. Yet those are the very things that ultimately craft us to who we are supposed to be. Big time. Talk about a paradox. Mm -hmm. you know? Now, one would have to be a total masochist to say, I love struggle. Yeah. I love failure. <laughs> I love getting my ass whipped because yeah. I know that, you know, two years from now, I'm going to look back and I'll be like, oh, I'm so glad I was homeless in my car because now I can realize that I need to be this. You know, how can how can we find a way in order to get all the benefits <laughs> from failure without all the terrible pain that it can cause you know failure causes pain to people in different ways some people mm -hmm. go bankrupt they lose their families they lose their homes other people they have this cushion they have this cushion and it's through maybe choices sometimes it's luck that it doesn't hurt as bad that the repercussion they're not as bad so i ask you this and i don't know if anyone knows the answer maybe you do but how do we make our failures sting less but at the same time, help to craft us to who we are supposed to be. Yeah. Well, first of all, you got to have resiliency. Okay. That's one thing. And we have to understand its perspective. And when you get, start getting the perspective, that paradigm shift, that 
it's a step in the process as opposed to, ah, I can't do this anymore. And we don't dramatize it. So uh, Extreme Ownership, a Jocko Willie. Mm. Uh, are you familiar with that book? Yeah. Uh-huh. Awesome book. I've been through it seriously like 75 times. Sometimes when I can't wake at night, uh, I'm awake at night, I can't go back to sleep, I'll, I'll put it on my uh, Audible. And so his big thing is extreme ownership and owning everything. So like I was mentioning earlier, you own your failure, you ask yourself the right questions, but you don't dramatize it. And this is to your to your question, is we have to not keep playing it over and over and over and over again. And I was big into that. I was big into looking to do something to bring joy into my life to, I was suppressing a lot of crap in my life, which is unhealthy too, which leads to depression. You know, Tony Robbins would say suppression leads to depression. And when you allow yourself to feel and live with the perspective that this is a step in the process, um, it changes everything. Now, that being said, (laughs) I was, Monday was like one of those difficult days that, that I, one of the most difficult days I've had in a long time. And I was just, everything was like, oh man, this is, this sucks. And it's okay to say this sucks. This don't, this don't keep saying it over, over and over day after day after day as you know, it's, I think it's good to say that this sucks. But then in the back of my mind, I was reframing it like this is a step in the process. This is not going to kill me. Yes, this sucks right now. And I hadn't slept the night before and all these different things. And so it's just life. And this too shall pass. Not only will it pass, but I'll learn from it. When you're going through it to your point, it's difficult. So specifically reframing and, and I don't mean reframing in a fake way. Oh, this is so awesome. I mean, be real. We got to be real with that stuff we're going through this sucks in under reframing it, that it's not going to continually suck in that resiliency happens when you continue going through those time and time again and continue to execute. Execution is the key to business, to life. You know, I mean, obviously how you execute, you should execute and then you learn and then you tweak and then you change and you continue to move forward and continue to repeat. So paradigm change, resiliency, which is developed over time, and who knows, um, something could happen to me tomorrow, you know, my kids could die. I don't know how I would deal with that. I mean, that's something over and above, which I'm not sure because I haven't been there and I I, (laughs) I hope I die before my kids. But to your specific thing, as far as challenges, just having that paradigm shift and understanding perspective, reframing, and just continually don't allow that to, we have to have the toddler mentality. Mm. You know, a toddler that. doesn't fall down 1,000 times or 100 times a day and say, screw it, I'm crawling the rest of my life. It's something we get to be an adult. We think we have to do everything perfectly. Perfection is the opposite of doing and being done. It's all about per, uh, progress, not perfection. I tell my clients all the time because we think we have to do things perfectly. And that's just not reality. Mm. And what do you think as adults makes us not want to try to walk anymore and stick to crawling? Yeah, I think the older we get, we just get comfortable. Mm, you know, complacency. We, yeah, we, we do. And John Elder wrote a book called Wild at Heart, talking about the man who we are. A uh, really good book. And it really helped me because I didn't have a dad to kind of instill those 
to help me understand who I was as a, as a boy and a man. I mean, we are wild at heart, but then we, we start getting older, you know, our brain changes. We start getting into more of that sage mode. And this is true for women too. You know, as the older we get, we stop learning. We stop continuing to develop. And so I know from studying and listening to people that you can continue to get yourself in a place where you feel young as long as you continue to learn. I think when people stop learning, that's when their brain goes into more of a hibernation safety comfort zone. And that's why you see a lot of seniors, you know, when you talk about, well, you know, social security and things like that, they're, you know, and, and when you get old, obviously your, our body, you know, is, it, it, go, it declines over time, but the mind doesn't have to as much because we have the option and to continue to, to, to learn, you know, I'm 56. I feel like I'm 28 and I act like I'm 28. And so I'm just, I kind of, I'm telling this, this girl that I'm seeing, I kind of matured later in life <laughs> because I didn't have someone to kind of instruct me. So it was those pains and those challenges that helped me get to the, uh, the level. And I, I haven't arrived just so you know, Ruben, I'm still learning. No, that, that's, that, that's the mark of humility, which I think is, is, is the final unlock requirement in this whole <laughs> yeah. piece, right? Uh, you know, exactly. my, 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 my question for you is, you know, I understand that uh, you've taught basketball, you volunteered your time. And, you know, I've been watching this documentary with, uh, or I, I guess it's a series, it's a, it's a show, which really just means it's like a 20 hour documentary on Michael Jordan and, and the Bulls and just that whole, that right. whole world, right? uh that's called the last dance and i i have found it really interesting I'll to, check it to out. yeah no you got to check it out i will and I, yeah and i think what's really interesting about it is that it talks about a lot of it is, is about jordan and you know a lot of it and i think the the filmmakers you know focused on this too uh because it, it's just good drama and who knows a lot of it might be hyperbolic or embellished but whatever the case may be it's entertaining mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know that said it talks a lot about how you know, Jordan in his journey was focused on being perfect or at least as close as humanly possible. Right. And that in that journey to be perfect and to be the best basketball player ever, of course, he had to step on some toes. And, uh, you know, he uh, had rivalries and his teammates and, you know, the Wizards, the team that he owned, there was just contention, right? So I'd love to learn from your perspective. Uh, I know that you got a Jordan story for me, so I'd love to hear about that. But I'd also like to hear about, you know, how can we all be uh, what Evan Carmichael says? How can we all be Jordans in our own way? And what is it that we can do? And the final part of this question, it's a three-part question. Hold on a second. And I, I, will, I will repeat everything I just said because I'm like okay. stream of consciousness right now. All right, but keep going. the final Man. thing is how would Jordan be a different player if he were around today with respect to ego, with respect to empathy, compassion, mindfulness, things like this. So question number one, here it is, is what is it about Jordan that makes him who he is or who he yep. was? So, yeah, I think it's, it goes to, and Phil Jackson was the coach, right? Yeah. Okay. So real interesting, but before I get into Jordan, you know, Phil Jackson, one of the things that he did, and I believe it was one of the first of his time is he brought in meditation yeah uh into part of the training and that's something else that's really really helped me a lot well actually what's, what's no you're absolutely right what's really interesting about what he did was that 
growing up, he was there was a lot of Native Americans in his community. So mm-hmm. he kind of adopted a lot of the practices of mindfulness and a lot of the, the kind of the rituals, you know, the, the mind rituals from the Native American culture. And he actually brought that, which is really interesting. That is, you know, and to go back to your previous question, too, that also is a way with when you get meditation, you get your brain in the theta state or uh, that really helps give you clarity. When you have clarity, you have, have confidence. So as far as, as Michael Jordan, uh, if he was around today, is that the question? Or is it Michael yeah, Jordan? Yeah, what, what, what was it about him that allowed okay. him to be who he was? Yeah, I think this is why it's so important when you have to surround yourself with mentors or if you have someone, which I consider Michael Jordan's coach in high school, an incidental mentor, if you have someone in your life who calls you out and wants to raise your standard, don't crawl back in a hole, whether it hurts or not. They're telling you whether they're coming to hurt you. If it's there's some truth to it, listen to it and learn. And so this is what I think in Michael, and I can't get inside of his head, but from what I understand about Michael Jordan, this is what made him different, is he had that burning desire to be competitive, but he didn't have the discipline. So imagine this, most people know this story, Junior year in high school, he got cut from the basketball team. I believe his junior year. And his coach, he went to the coach, was complaining. He's like, what, I'm the most talented person. And he was physically uh, speaking, athletically, probably the most talented person on the team. He was, the coach said to Michael, he said, yeah, you are, but you lack hustle. You lack all these different things. And so if you want to get on the team next year, show up. I don't remember the time, but it was something like ungodly, like five in the morning every day. And I don't know how long. So Michael Jordan showed up. Here's the mentor in his life, speaking and guiding his life. And because of that coach, and I forget his name, because of that coach that instilled with Michael a standard that was high. And so this is one of the things that I hear him and Colby, very, uh, very similar um, stories. They were like the last one to leave the gym, the first one in the gym. And if someone else was in the gym, he's like, I ain't leaving like from an opposing team, like warming up before game or the day before or whatever. Both of them were always the people that would stay the longest and work the hardest. And I remember after the story about him, they lost the championship or they lost in the playoffs or something. And so he was crying in the bus and he was like making all these excuses, you know, he wasn't asking himself the right questions, but then he turned that around. He took the ownership and he goes, I need to take myself to the next level. He, and he raised his standard and then the bull, how many national championships they have? I mean, um, six, six, something is national championships. Um, so <laughs> I'm thinking college. So he did that in that standard with him, Phil Jackson, just raise the standard of all the people around him because he didn't just say do this he did it mm-hmm. so it's it's like you know we all think that you know certain people are just gifted you know i i i actually despise that term gifted you know he's that person's really gifted it's almost like it 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 takes away for the perseverance that that person must have had to endure to be the best of who they are. You know, the world's number one chess player. He started playing chess when he was three years old and he probably since then has played chess 10 hours a day, Mm -hmm. you know, 
Right. Now. I don't know how old he is. He's probably in his early 20s now. I mean, he's been playing chess for over a decade, every single day. You know, and, and talk about uh, embracing failure and, uh, and overcoming it. So I, I think that there's a lot of really interesting things that you're tapping into here. Um, this was awesome, man. This, this conversation was really, really intriguing for me, you know, talking about your journey, talking about, you know, personal development, talking about self-awareness. You know, these are really important topics, man, that I think a lot of people need to listen to. Yeah, I just want to tell everyone, too, before we sign off. I mean, God created you unique like no other. And we're in some surreal times now. I mean, if we would look back at January and think here we're going to be in, in July 2020, um, be where we are. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of uncertainty. And we talked about, Ruben, we're talking about the struggle, man. This is like the ultimate struggle. No one alive has seen anything like this. And so I fully believe that you, I, Ruben, we are all created for such a time as this. And I just encourage you, you know, you hear the expression carpe diem. I always sign off all my videos with go rock this day. That's kind of the modern form of carpe diem for me. And just live. Don't allow fear to stop you. Keep moving forward, learn from that failure and understand you are in a journey and surround yourself with good people. I mean, even if your mentors on YouTube or a podcast or something like this with Ruben, just fill your head with, from people who have gone where you are, are at an, another level so you can learn from them. It's going to be okay. Just keep moving forward. Don't stay in your comfort zone. That's not where life is meant to live. Yeah, man. If you're, if you find yourself in hell, just keep, keep walking, right? Boom. Yeah, fast because it burns your feet, right? <laughs> right. And where, where can people uh, find you? Where can they connect with you? What's your website? Yeah. Well, if you just go, if you just Google Chaz Horn, I mean, you see my name down here. Um, and LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. That's where I spend most of my, my time. I have a, a LinkedIn program to show people how to build their business based on emotional intelligence, not spamming. So link, if you reach out to me, just mention this show because I get tons of requests to connect and I don't connect with everybody. So if you mentioned the show, Ruben or something like that, I mean, that's how Ruben, that's how we got connected, right? Yes. You reached out to me. Yeah. And so I saw Ruben and I, I went to his website and I was like, this is kind of a, a fun guy. I want to talk with him. So yeah, go there, connect with me. And I look forward to, I love to collaborate and network with people. That's another key thing we need to do nowadays. Well said, Chaz. Well, thank you so much, man. See awesome. You on, see you on LinkedIn. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Go rock this day.